Hello and welcome to another episode of The Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. It's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist, weight loss expert, and founder of The Nourish Method for Lasting Fat Loss. Today, we have an episode for all the women out there who are experiencing changes in their sex drive during perimenopause and menopause. Whether you're in your late 30s or beyond, this episode is for you. And if you're under 35, these tips will help too. Today, we're gonna discuss how nutrition, lifestyle, and holistic approaches can help reignite your libido. So let's jump right in. This is one of the most common and most troublesome symptoms for many women as they approach menopause. And it can be a big problem if you have a partner, of course. You know, while they may understand, it still very often has a huge impact on the relationship and it can drive a wedge between you. So there are lots of things that influence your sex drive and it's important to understand the factors that can contribute to declining sex drive during perimenopause and menopause. While hormonal changes play a significant role, other bothersome symptoms like fatigue and bloating can also impact your desire for intimacy. You know, when you're feeling bloated, gassy, bunged up, or if you feel like you might have to go to the loo urgently, the last thing you wanna do is roll around in the sheets, right? And then there's also how you're feeling about your relationship and your body confidence. You know, we can be very quick to look for chemical imbalances or blame hormones and overlook, arguably, the most important thing, and that's feeling attracted to your partner and having chemistry with them, and also feeling attractive and confident in yourself. You know, the relationship dynamics, body confidence and self-esteem massively impact your sex drive. So let's start with food. I believe that what we eat plays a crucial role in supporting our overall health, including hormones and libido. So, How does what we eat impact our libido? Well, lack of nutrients, lack of antioxidants, lack of protein, lack of essential fatty acids can all contribute to hormone imbalance and therefore a decline in your sex drive. And it's also important to ensure that our meals are balanced and incorporate protein-rich foods and beneficial fats and fiber and antioxidants. So these nutrients can really help support a healthy hormone balance and enhance your libido. I look at a lot of women's diets and the common themes I see are where there's often not enough protein, really low levels of essential fats, specifically omega-3 and a real lack of fiber as well. And you know you can eat quite a clean unprocessed diet and feel like you're eating really well but still be lacking all of these factors 
So it's important to take a close look at what you're eating. Next, moving our bodies and staying active will also have a positive impact on our sex drive during perimenopause and menopause. Regular exercise, especially weight-bearing exercise, can increase testosterone levels and low testosterone is a common problem in women that's frequently overlooked. You know, we tend to think that it's the male hormone, but having enough of it is essential for women. After 35, we start to lose muscle at a faster rate. And if we don't use it, we lose it. So we really have to take steps to maintain muscle mass to help maintain not only our metabolic rate, but also to keep testosterone levels healthy. Now, we need to be a bit selective about the type of exercise that we're doing because doing gentle cardio and strength training such as weights, yoga, swimming, walking, they're great options because they achieve all the positives of exercise without causing spikes in stress hormones. Too much cardio or really intense exercise, especially for perimenopausal or menopausal women, can raise stress hormones, which can drive belly fat storage and also squashes libido. And exercise also improves self-esteem and feeling better about yourself can only be a good thing when you're in the bedroom. And remember, it's about finding activities that make you feel good and fit into your lifestyle. Another area that we focus on a lot for hormone balance in the Nourish Method is reducing exposure to xenoestrogens or hormone disruptors in your daily life. So these are environmental toxins that disrupt hormones, either because they're very similar to your own hormones and they mimic them and your body can mistake the toxins for hormones or because your liver has to work hard to eliminate these toxins causing a buildup of the used hormones in the body. So these toxins include parabens, plastics, pesticides, perfumes, chemical cleaners and many more things. So being conscious of your skincare cleaning products, um, using natural scents like essential oils, replacing plastic bottles and food packaging with glass or aluminium are a few things that you can do to help support hormonal balance from this angle. Now, stress management is a top priority when it comes to maximizing your sex drive. I've said it many times in previous episodes, but I'll say it again, During perimenopause and menopause, you become much less resilient to the impact of stress. And that's because your adrenal glands, which are your stress glands, are taking over the production of sex hormones from the ovaries during this transition. So when you're under stress, your body prioritizes the production of stress hormones over sex hormones. Okay, so stress has a direct link to poor libido because it has a direct impact on our sex hormones. And aside from that, if you're worrying about things or you feel under pressure, you're thinking about 
work or anything else that's going on, it's gonna be more difficult to get into the mood. So stress management techniques such as mindfulness or deep breathing exercises are really helpful and can help regulate cortisol levels and positively influence your sex hormones. On a similar vein, getting enough sleep is also crucial for your overall well-being and can contribute to a really vibrant sex life. Lack of sleep means not only are you tired and therefore not wanting to be frolicking in the bed and instead wanting to be sleeping in the bed, but also lack of sleep drives up stress hormones. Now, another common symptom on the approach to menopause is vaginal dryness. And everything that we've mentioned so far will support your hormones and therefore support this specific issue in time. You could also consider options like hormone replacement therapy, um, omega-7 or sea buckthorn oil, as it's also known, uh, taken orally, or as you would any other supplement. Omega-7 is really great for lubricating mucous membranes. And that means that it works really well for vaginal dryness, dry mouth and dry eyes, and any other sort of dry bits that should not be dry. And you definitely should consider getting an organic lubricant. Adding lube can make a world of difference. Now, let's talk a bit about relationships. The health of your relationship also impacts your sex drive. If you're not as close as you used to be, you know, if you don't spend quality time together or perhaps you aren't speaking the same love language, this is gonna impact your chemistry and desire to be intimate. And what I mean by speaking the same love language is how we feel loved, how we show love. You know, some people feel loved and show love with touch. And for someone else, it might be gifts or words or acts of service. And there are several other languages people typically have as well. So having a conversation about what makes you feel loved and what your partner needs to do to support that, but also what they need to feel loved can be a fun way to reconnect. So whether you're good on that front or not, it's still important to communicate with your partner about what you're experiencing with your libido. Make sure they're in the loop and they understand. And it's important to remember that each woman's journey is unique. If you're experiencing challenges with declining sex drive during menopause, consider reaching out to a registered nutritional therapist for personalized guidance. If you haven't had much help from your GP, that doesn't mean that there's nothing that can be done. And most importantly, remember that taking care of your overall well-being consistently is key to having a fulfilling sex life. Okay, now it's time for my favorite fact of the week. And it's this, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Really? So let me explain. A study found that flavanol-rich foods are key to preventing frailty. So frailty is a big risk factor for premature death, unfortunately. 
Once someone loses a certain amount of muscle mass and becomes frail, then the risk of falls and fractures and disability, hospitalization, all increases significantly. And the findings of this study are pretty remarkable because they found that for every 10 milligrams higher intake per day of flavanols, the odds of frailty were reduced by 20%. 20% is a massive reduction to risk. And the more flavanols you have, the lower that risk seems to be. And getting 10 milligrams of flavanols per day is actually super easy because just one medium apple contains 10 milligrams. So that old saying really does hold true. And if you don't like apples, that's okay. Fruit and veg are the main sources of flavanols, particularly quercetin, which was found to be more associated with the benefits. And specifically, citrus fruits, onions, parsley, sage, tea, red wine, olive oil, grapes, dark cherries and dark berries. They're all things to include in your diet regularly. Okay, now it's time to answer a listener's question. This one came through Instagram from a previous client of mine. So let me get it up on my screen. Okay, she said, I am still taking some of the supplements that you recommended and I've noticed that these supplements contain ingredients I usually associate with ultra-processed foods and would avoid. For example, maltodextrin. Why is this? Are they advisable given the chemical content? Okay, so this is a great question because you have to be very selective about your supplements to ensure you're getting quality ingredients, effective doses and minimal filler ingredients, which can be detrimental to health. You really do get what you pay for when it comes to supplements, although just because a supplement is expensive doesn't necessarily mean it's good. I see a ton of products marketed on Instagram and while some look good, they really seem overpriced to me for what they are. You've got to be careful about where you get your supplements from too. I see more and more people who are getting them from Amazon. And while there are some reputable brands on there, anyone can create a supplement and sell it on Amazon. Seriously, you just contact a manufacturer, usually in China, tell them what you want in it, give them a bottle design and they'll make it and they'll often send it straight to Amazon to be sold for you. You know, that's a problem because the products may not have been formulated by someone who knows what they're doing. And secondly, some ingredients can be contaminated and unsafe. And, you know, there can be a lot of other stuff in the product that is just there to bind it all together. And that's a risky business. The reputable brands put a lot of time and money into sourcing the best quality ingredients, but also quality testing them to ensure that there's no contaminants. So please stick with well-known brands. And if you can't get professional advice, then independent health food stores are great. 
Anyway, back to the question. The product this lady mentioned specifically is a powder, and powders have to have some extra ingredients in there to prevent it all clumping together, and that's what the maltodextrin is for in that case. It's such a minuscule amount that it's not going to cause any problems. You know, while we do want to avoid ultra processed foods and ingredients as much as possible, a tiny bit is fine. Again, for this specific product, I recommended a powder because it's easier to get higher doses into powder form. Whereas to take the equivalent doses in capsule form that doesn't have the maltodextrin, you might have to take six or probably more capsules per day and spend a considerable amount more on products. Obviously that's down to each individual's preference, but usually it's best to factor in what's gonna be practical in the long term. As a general guide, avoid tablets where you can because they contain more binders and are harder to digest and you might not actually extract all those nutrients out of the tablet. And especially avoid a tablet if it is a pretty color because that means that It's got extra ingredients in there simply to make them look pretty. Stick with capsules, liquids, and powders. If it tastes yummy, it's probably loaded with sugar. So just because something has a pretty bottle or swish marketing campaign doesn't mean it's good. And if it's being marketed to you on Instagram or Facebook, it's a consumer quality product not a practitioner quality product and is likely inferior. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that I've discussed in this episode, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Louise Digby Nutrition. You can also get your question answered on the podcast by emailing louise at louisedigbynutrition.com and popping podcast in the subject line or ping me your question on Facebook or Instagram. If you're enjoying this podcast, please, please head to wherever you get your podcasts and hit follow or subscribe and leave a review. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.